Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Amber. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of finding out that it was all a lie and they were after you the entire time. This week, we're talking about Bureau 13 training missions. We're really not talking about going on a training mission. We're talking about a training evaluation where the mission you're sent on is really for the purposes of determining how well you've learned your lessons or how fit you are to go on missions of various levels of security, danger, competence, whatever. It's a fake. It's not real. It's a scam. It's, it's an illusion. It's a simulation. You, as the agents, are basically at the whim and plan in deep, dark planning of the Bureau as they pull you up for evaluation. The good thing is, though, is that it's still worth experience. Yep. You have joined the most secret government agency that you have never heard of. The 13th Bureau of Justice, otherwise known as Bureau 13. You are a government agent charged with the duty of disposing of the greatest unnatural threats to the people and the the economy of the United States and Canada. You will work under the knowledge that you are funded by an organization so secret, even the highest government officials do not know of your existence. Welcome to the elite band of people who wander the dark streets of the night, ever searching for the horrors that should not exist in this modern age. You are a special agent, stalking the night fantastic. Bureau 13 is a Gen Con award-winning RPG of modern horror and paranormal adventure. It's available from Tritag Games at TritagGames.com in both the original editions and in the D20 edition, with a new Savage Worlds edition coming soon. Remember that wherever the supernatural waits, good and evil, the agents of Bureau 13 will be there. But the evil is growing. All right, John, what, what do you have? Mine actually was very similar to uh, Trav's a bit. Mine was set in New Jersey, in the Pine Barrens, the home of the Jersey Devil. Jersey Devils actually live in the Pine Barrens. They're a protected species. They're dwarf dragons. Okay, so this is not cryptozoology. This is an actual animal? No, this is very much cryptozoology, but the Bureau protects them. Okay. I mean, they are the Jersey Devil, which is described as a kangaroo-like creature with a face of a horse, head of a dog, leathery bat wings, horns, small arms and claw- with clawed hands, cloven hoofs, and a forked tail. But basically, they are dwarf dragons. Uh, they don't have. They can't. They can't make fire, and they run around. And they basically eat. You know, eat where they get get their hands on. The scenario is, is set near the Pine Barrens. Not in the Pine Barrens, because they actually would run into a Jersey Devil there. It's set near the Pine Barrens, where a report of, of, of attacks by a Jersey Devil 
have been made. And these reports are, you know, make it to the news. Because you know, the Bureau wants to be, it's in the public. But of course, it's the Jersey Devil. So everyone goes, yeah, he must got hit by a bobcat or something. You know, one of those things. And But the guy, you know, there's a guy in the hospital, and he will attest, yeah, I was attacked by a Jersey Devil. Actually, I do this with a New Jersey accent. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not Jersey. Someone give me a Jersey accent. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, I was just walking along minding my own business, and all of a sudden I get hit with this Jersey Devil right upside my head. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> People in Jersey right now are cursing at <laughs> I apologize to all of our New Jersey listeners. <laughs> you had too much twang to be New Jersey in that accent. That was... That was actually... That was, that was, that was painful. Me is New Utes. You know. <laughs> it's a hunt. Is that what you're telling me, John? Well, it's, they're trying to... Yes, it's a hunt, but to complicate things... There is a cryptid hunter. This is what I've said when you guys are putting out your stuff. Oh, so so my suggestion of adding a hunter kind of stepped on you. I'm sorry, John. That's okay. Well, come on. Let's hear your twist on it. Unfortunately, my twist, someone else did as well. It's not a Jersey Devil. It's it's a zeal. (laughs) See, you guys just went and walked. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, I was just trying to think because Jersey Devils are not smart. They're basically animals. So there's you really can't have a friendly one. Uh, no, it's, it's a wild animal. You, you really can't trust one not to try to claw some, a new face. The main thing, though, was it was I was going to do most of the action at night. So, of course, you have, you're out in the middle of the forest with your, with your night vision glass, glasses, which or your heat sense, or if you're using thermal vision, but which... Does you no good because Jersey Devils are cold blooded, so you ain't gonna see them on your and your thermal vision. You only catch them on your night vision glasses. And the thing is, most people are city folks. I mean, a lot of player characters are probably city folks. They've never been in a forest, so just the forest itself can provide enough suspense and drama and occasional. You know, you hear that weird, you hear this weird screeching sound, something running away really fast, and you know, and and if you have uh, fear rules or fright rules in your game, you can actually have them make a few fright rolls at that point just to see, you know, just because if they're in a abnormal environment to what they're used to, so everything looks suspicious, and yeah, you can have them end up shooting a tree stump because it looked like a Jersey Devil. Well, if it's a Dazeal, it'd be like a giant Jersey Devil, right? Yeah, remember, those things are like six to seven feet tall. I mean... Unfortunately, the story is the Jersey Devil, his size, the size varies. They're either like, you know, four foot tall to something a bit bigger, more man size. So it really depends on which, which story you want to go by. I figured basically you got juveniles and adults. <laughs> I just shot the Jersey Devil. Oh, you killed Snooky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the pictures I'm seeing of the Jersey Devil, they looks it looks to be about man size with a whole with big wings. It's bureau costuming on the on the, on the Tazeel. He's got a pair of fake wings attached, uh, running around. Basically, his job is just to run around and well scare the devil out of the team uh, at that point. But part of this is also trying to deal. This is not actually more not about actually capturing the Jersey Devil. 
It's more about dealing with the cryptid hunters who are out there trying to this, capture, not necessarily kill, but capture the Jersey Devil. Uh, you can complicate it if you want to by actually having real cryptid hunters out there, but uh, these cryptozoologists, cryptozoologists are actual bureau agents, you know, acting out as, as the role of cryptid hunters. It's more how they deal with the, the public aspects. This is actually a very public event, and so this is going to cover their ability to, one, get the Jersey Devil back to where it belongs, and so it's back in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey, Two, deal with the cryptid hunters so that they're they're give, they're showing up in a bad light as being you know well fools, and three, do efficient dissemination and cover up of the, of the of the situation so that people realize oh yeah and it was a bobcat see we caught one. Well, you know, John, a thing you could do depending on your players. Let's say you got you know your group of players like to fight. You know, you're you got your you got a, a, a group of players who like to roll dice and kill things, and you send them on one of these adventures. So you're about three-quarters in the night. Everybody's on the edge of their toes. You've been doing a really good job about keeping it suspenseful and everything. And um, you realize that you're going to have – if you really want to make the whole group happy, you got to give them a fight, right? Mm-hmm. You could do that, have them do the reveal. Oh, look, it's Old Man Withers or whatever, you know. And uh, um, they're like, okay, well, let's pack all our stuff up and go. And that's when they start taking fire. What you have is you have a bunch of poachers, Jersey po- Jersey Devil poachers, who have been listening in on communications uh, from the bureau, but they don't really know what they're listening to because you know they're only getting bits and pieces of it because they're amateurs, and they really think that you guys are after a Jersey Devil and that you've got one cornered or that you've captured it, and they have decided to um, take it from you, and they don't know and they're not listening to you. So you literally wind up having to fight for your life, which gives your group an opportunity to have that training mission, um, have all of you know, have a, a different kind of adventure than what they're used to having. But then also at the last minute, reward them with a good fight, especially if they've been good sports up until that point. Yeah, that follows with the, with the complication of a real cryptid hunter showing up, trying to capture the Jersey Devil at that point. Right, and usually poachers are not nice people. I mean, they don't give a crap that you know they have to kill a few humans to get this Jersey Devil. You know, they're looking to make a lot of money off of this thing. So you're just uh, you're just in the way. Yeah, that's where you be thankful you're wearing your bureau issued uh, ballistic T-shirt. Right, and these clowns probably don't know what the bureau is. They've probably stumbled upon this. Well, it depends on your cover story too. I mean, if I was going to grade people, I would grade them one cover story. Oh, yeah. I'd say the best cover story is your cryptid hunters. Oh, all right. So your competition, so they don't, they really don't care about you. Yeah. See how much research they do on the situation, you know. So, yes, you need to research the Jersey Devil and find out that this one is actually outside the normal ter- territory for Jersey Devils. The guy's in the hospital. He's all badged up, so you actually can't inspect the wounds. He actually is not wounded. Any pictures you have are, well, fake. But you can't tell that because they're they're done by the bureau by bureau agents, so they're really good fakes of his injuries. But you, you got to do your research. You got to figure out okay, what do I what do I need to worry about in terms of law enforcement in that area? Because there may be people out there also who aren't Jersey Devil hunters. They're animal control people. They're looking for that bobcat or whatever the critter is you want to throw them at, throw at them at that point. It's out there, you know. Maybe a stray wolf for all for all they know. 
that wandered into the area. Uh, heaven help the poor wolf if there was. You know, so you have to take account for all those all those factors. So this one's a bit. Uh, uh, it could be a little bit dangerous because there is possible of a, of a reveal. Because like with any good bureau training mission, there's always that danger of people finding out about the bureau. You have to take account for things like there are going to be people out there who are going to be looking for the Jersey Devil, like you said. Not bureau agents, but real people. And there'll be people out there looking for a bobcat or a wolf or some other normal critter that did this, that attacked this guy, which in fact never happened, but you know, records are doctored, so everything looks like it did happen. Right. There may be press out there as well, because it was on the news. You know, we're saying Jersey Devil, but I mean, this, this could be anything. This could be a, a Yeti sighting, a Sasquatch sighting, a. a, a uh, what, is, what is the other one with the one down down in Texas, Mexico? The um... Chupacabra. There could it, uh, John John and Pip would know this. It could be the Wixom Panther, the Zug Mermaid, Zug Island Mermaid. Yep. Yep. Or Champ in uh, Lake Champlain. Kind of like Nessie. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, it, these are these are these are known name creatures. So therefore, there's going to be some public public involvement with them. Right. Or in my area, the Chessie. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Pe- Chesa- Chesapeake Nessie. Yeah. Uh, see, people, uh, if you're going to plan these scenarios, pretty much every state in the union has some cryptozoological story that you could just gold mine for this. The giant armadillo of Texas. <laughs> oh no! Sorry, that was a speed bump. Never mind. Uh, no, the giant armadillo of Texas loves loves uh, Lone Star beer. <laughs> Wow. Oh, great. A drunk armadillo. Yeah. <laughs> Armadillos. They're, they're strange creatures. Yeah. yeah. And good eating. Yeah. No, no. I mean, oh. this in all seriousness. Armadillos will always have four babies at a time. All four babies are all male or all female. There is no difference. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So if you're looking for something to consist in, be like, hmm, something is not right here. That's yeah. a consistent fact. Yeah. Okay. And then there's the giant ants in New Mexico you have to deal with. <laughs> oh, don't talk to me about ants. No. No, no these are nice ants. They're, they're the, size of a, the size of a pickup truck. No, don't talk to me. No. <laughs> For planning these missions where you involve cryptozoology, every state in the Union has their myth. You just got to look it up, people. I mean, it's it's... We've named off a bunch of them right off the bat based on our locations and where we've been. So, John, I, I do like your scenario about that. I, I, never, I was not aware of the Jersey Devils, so. Oh, yeah. yeah it's a nice little critter. I think it, it, they were mentioned in one of the earlier uh, Bureau 13 books, Jersey Devils. I have to look it up. Oh, okay. But basically, from the looks of them, they're, they're a dwarf dragon. You know, it's, Okay. Protected species. <laughs> you know, they just got to make sure they stay in the pine barrens. They're fine. You know, if they get out, you know, then they're a problem. <laughs> they like chickens too much. <laughs> this this scenario here basically covers more of the public side of dealing with things. You got to deal with the public. You got to make sure you have good cover up to get good marks in this mission. You actually have to make sure that at the end, everyone thinks. It was some critter that that's not the Jersey Devil that caused all the ruckus. 
incredibly high bluff and diplomacy are you're going to be your call signs here for making sure that yeah good evidence dispersal good evidence cover up getting a hold of the reporter's camera or deleting all those photographs of the Tazeel wearing leather wings you know <laughs> meanwhile the Tazeel is there going I'm seriously going to have to talk to Colonel Talbot about this yeah <laughs> <laughs> The game of interdimensional adventure from Tridad Games. Antarctica 2010. A Japanese research team finds a portal to alien and alternative Earths. Only one person in 100,000 has the special ability that lets them use the portal and travel the pathways to infinity. You are this person. You are the Fringeworthy. Fringeworthy is the first RPG of interdimensional adventure across millions of alternative Earths. Fringeworthy is available at TriTag Games at www.tritaggames.com slash fringe.htm. A million million worlds await you. Go visit them. All right, so I guess that brings it up to me. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. When I thought about a training scenario, I always think about pushing people's buttons and trying to place them into situations where they have to make a lot of ethical choices. So I decided that this mission would start off with them investigating a report of a high school football team that's suddenly doing so much better than they had in previous years that has triggered the Bureau 13 profilers and stuff like that. They're supposed to go into the actual high school as transfer students and if they, uh, uh, which works really well if your team is mostly young and if they have some older agents they could all even go in as substitute teachers and possibly even an assistant coach for the football team. In this scenario there's a couple of things that I would do to really try to help control the situation. One is there's already another bureau team at the school whose purpose is, of course, to perpetuate this scenario. They are also uh, in members of the team. And we may even have a, a ringer on the actual Bureau 13 team that's being evaluated so that any time that they try to find information that might be too revealing or needs to be backed up and uh, the Bureau didn't cover all its bases as far as covering it, that person would be in charge of saying, oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're in the database, yeah. It's uh, they're they're completely legit. <laughs> you bring one of the players aside and tell him, "I want you to be the ringer." What you're not, of course, not telling him that he's still being evaluated. He's just being evaluated as how good a ringer he is. Yes, that's also true. When they get there, uh, I'm assuming they're going to do a lot of investigation, but they they're aware of the fact that they're in a public high school, that they are in an urban setting that they are surrounded literally by innocents, underage innocent people. So therefore, this should be triggering all kinds of protective uh, mental paradigms that supposedly has been beaten into them by bureau training. So that whatever they do, even if these people are under some, you know, there's something going on with them, they're victims. They're underage victims, and they must be very careful not to 
well, to treat them with kid gloves, if I may use a pun a, uh, a little bit like that. So, uh, and what we have here is we have Dr. Artemis Wolf, who runs the Bureau 13 Ware Research Station up in Pawpaw, Michigan. He is acting as our nemesis in this particular scenario. He is the team doctor. He is a doctor who's providing his specialized sport medicine research to enhance this team is the idea of what is going on. He has one of his children in this particular story. He's, of course, dressed in, in, in disguise. So he's offering his help. He's doing high-tech medical profiles on them. He's uh, changing their diet. He's giving them vitamin injections to in, you know, improve their training regimen. And, of course, the agents, when they come in, some of them are going to try to get on the team. And, of course, he's going to say, well, I just need to give you this shot. And that's the first thing that they're going to have to think about is, am I going to let this guy give me this shot or not? All the agents that are the ringer agents, they're all going to, uh, not including the team member, but they're all going to be an experienced team. They're going to have very high bluff skills, very high diplomacy skills, because that's what you need to be a good Bureau 13 agent <clears throat> using the D20 thing. Uh, there's, uh, but there are similar skills in Savage Worlds, which is important to make it hard for them to penetrate the fact that these people are playing a role. It's assumed that the Bureau 13 has the best in physical makeup. Bureau 13 agents, because of their uh, occasional exposure to the media, have a lot of plastic surgery that goes on. So it shouldn't be that hard for these agents, no matter what their age is, you know, to look the age of teens and even for the Bureau 13 team that's being tested to look the appropriate age as long as there's not too much of an age difference they're going to be running into these people on the team. Now, what they're supposed to discover that this injection they're getting from the doctor actually contains blood plasma from a werewolf. And he is a werewolf. He's going to read as a werewolf. And this is triggering them to be very sensitive to his werewolf pheromones and therefore create this kind of pack behavior at the same time causing them not to become werewolves because that's a curse. However, it is causing them to start gaining a sort of a benefit from this, making them tougher, whatever. But it's also because he is actually giving them a very intensive Bureau 13-ish training regimen that's actually making them much, much better. But, of course, the agents, unless they have a lot of training in this sort of thing, are not going to realize that, in fact, is these people are a lot better because they're just receiving very, very good training methods to improve their work. They're going to say, oh, this guy's a werewolf. His injection must be giving them werewolf powers. And pretty soon they're going to be sprouting fangs and they're going to be baying at the moon and ripping people to shreds. We've got to put a stop to this right away. That's part of the scenario. Now, to feed into that, one or two of the plants, depending upon the genders of the team members, are going to be the opposite gender, and they're going to look at the least attractive, most nerdy individuals amongst them and be and just start putting the vamp on these things. And they're going to go, why is this person 
especially at, if they get this injection. Uh, and the injection, by the way, is actually only vitamins, especially vitamin B12. Now, of course, when he gives it to the Bureau 13 agent, you know, it, uh, he's going to put probably a few things in there that he wouldn't normally give to the other children. But the other children are, going, are receiving B12 shots and things like that, which is what they're supposed to be receiving. The, the Bureau 13 agents, he's going to give them something that gives a little bit of a supernatural zing to it. Possibly even his own blood plasma, because again, he's cursed. He's a werewolf, so this actually shouldn't do anything to the Bureau 13 agents. But it will give them, because he's a supernatural creature, it will give them a supernatural reading for a short period of time. Ah. So they're going to think that something supernatural has been done to them. So you have somebody here who's already, you know, uh, because he's a werewolf, he already engages in a lot of supernatural kind of presence-type powers. He's an experienced agent. He is a werewolf. Plus, you have these other agents who are backing him up, you know, with their behavior. And they're also using their persuasion skills, which are advanced compared to the team, to get the agents to do things that they shouldn't be doing. One of the things that's going to happen is they're going to take some of these agents along with them, especially if a couple of them are cute girls, take a couple of the male agents along, or just maybe one male agent along, and they're going to go and say, we're going to have a party this weekend. We need to go get supplies. They'll go to like a liquor store or a 7-Eleven or something like that, um, and they'll start shoplifting and see how the agents react to this. And, and if the agents act like, well, you should be doing that, they'll, be, they'll start looking at them saying, well, well, why? I mean, we're, you know, we're better than they are and all that stuff. And, you know, you're not going to tell us you're part of us now and all this stuff to try to, con- to see whether they can convince them to become allies with them through persuasion and stuff like that. And also, how far are they willing to go to maintain their cover as trying to become part of the team to infiltrate the group? Ultimately, they're going to realize that they've been caught so, uh, by the person who's attended. That attendant is another plant, and they're going to assault that attendant. As a matter of fact, they're even going to go and say, you need to take care of this guy for us and see if the agent, how far the agent is willing to go you know, to assault this person, to stay. You know, they're going to push his buttons and just keep pushing it. And this is a real big job for the GM. I understand that. And it's, and it's also going to be helpful if, again, one of the uh, team members is a plant because then they can start coming under the influence of this other group even though they're not really. So ultimately, the, the, we're trying to see whether or not that they can figure out what's going on, see how far they're willing to go to protect, you know, to protect these people, how deep uh, uh, cover can they maintain, and ultimately can they re- uh, realize who this actually is. And the final kicker to the scenario, as I was envisioning it, was they finally do realize that it's Artemis Wolf. They actually find something that they run to the scanner, and it's got the DNA, and it's in the bureau database. And it says, "Oh my goodness, that's Artemis Wolf. What's he doing there? He's supposed to be somewhere else." And then, the, and then Artemis Wolf says, "I've turned to the dark side. You can't stop me. Werewolf minions will rise up and control the world." And see if they buy that. And that's when they pull the silver plated trophy out of the, out of the trophy case and hit him with it. Well, they can try to do that. But again, that's where it's nice to have a plan to stop them. That's also where they find out that Ray Robertson has put a nano explosive on the firing pin of all their weapons and things like that. 
<laughs> so that they actually can't hurt poor Artemis. On the plus side, he is a werewolf, which means that even if they kill him, he'll rise on the next full moon. But he'd probably be pretty upset with the Bureau if that happened. Mm, I think it was silver. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you know, if they've got any brains to them, they will have removed the silver and make it look like silver. Oh, you stabbed me with pewter. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's not going to kill me, but it sure stings. Yeah. So what do you think of that scenario? I think it's a good, that's a good example. of. I like this. that. It's different. Yeah. 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 So I, I've actually run this as an adventure. They actually did very well. They were able to resist the uh, actual effects pretty well. Uh, and then they finally found him and they managed to track him back to his secret lair and confront him. And that's when, of course, the big reveal came. And they're like, you know, really? <laughs> You're saying that they do the investigation. They find out that, you know, the students are being injected with werewolf blood, that they've taken something out of the blood or they've affected it somehow. So it doesn't really affect anyone. And it, or they're just giving the students B12 shots. Well, what you do is your plant is the person that would give them that information. And he would say, oh, it's, you know, it's werewolf blood that they're giving them when they're really not giving them anything. Uh, they're giving them saline or whatever. They're used to sending off samples to the Bureau or the Bureau computer could be, uh, uh, could be set up that if this particular sample comes in, it turns around and says it's something else. But in this particular case, this is all be- being done by design so the Bureau can hack its own equipment. So we can give back misleading results so that they're reading and saying, because they're only going to go by the information they get. You know, the Krillian detector is going to say, hey, you know, werewolf, whatever, you know, and uh, because it's, it's going to have that curse. He is a werewolf. He is cursed. So it's going to have that black magic sin- signature on it or that curse signature. Like we were saying, your Krillian detector is rigged. They swap it on you when you're sleeping. Or just reprogram it. I mean, if you're going to do this kind of scenario, there's going to be a lot of things that are actually going to give you misleading stuff. But at the same time, you don't want to do it so much so that their equipment doesn't work properly. You want them to actually use their equipment properly. It's just only at at certain times do you want them to do that. But you have, you know, supernatural sensitivity. It will trigger in his presence, and it will trigger in the presence of the other Bureau team plants who supposedly have received this blood from him, there's going to be a lot of things that they're going to give true positives that they can pick up on. Yeah. If this is actually a very safe thing, the other team member might just be accepting that blood sample, you know, that, that serum from, you know, Armus Wolf. I mean, he's going to give him an injection. It's going to have some of his plasma in it. He knows it's not going to cause a problem, though it is going to give a supernatural reading. And they're going to be like, yeah, okay. They could, you know, and they could also carry an item on themselves that is a cursed item, therefore it's going to give a cursed reading on the Krillian detectors to give an even strong permanent reading. So we're saying, oh, look, this person's they've got a low-grade curse reading. They must have picked this up from a wolf, the doctor, you know, who's doing this. It's one of those things where they find enough evidence that shows that this, this that it doesn't work, then the other team might say, okay, fine. You know, you've done enough good investigation to prove that there's enough misleading information here that something odd is going on and it really isn't what it seems like. Fine. The scenario is over. Good job there. But 
it, it just depends on what they're trying to test them on. If they're trying to test them on their covert nature, their ability to go under deep cover, then they're going to maintain those other things to keep that going. It just depends on the parameters of the actual mission uh, uh, as far as the team that's being evaluated. The biggest flaws or potential flaws in this, since you are so closely allied with the team members, this is a high school football team. There's a bunch of testosterone going here. Oh, yeah. And you've got a bunch of pretty girls who are also putting the vamp on people and have already built relationships. If you're not careful, you might find uh, a whole bunch of well-muscled teen boys coming down on your team pretty hard. There's some possibilities of where you might have to take one for the team because you can't fight back too hard and you don't want to break your cover. The second thing is, is that uh, there's a lot of people in this scenario who have false identities. And the more people you have in that situation, the, hard, the, the more easy it is to slip. I mean, a lot of these people, you know, they're plants. You know, unless they're actually impersonating members of the team, there's a whole lot of transfer students on the football team this year, Coach, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, boy, it's a good thing they all came out for the team. You know, to, you know, they've only been on the team for a month, and then we show up? Hmm. So, you know, there's there's some things, you know, you might want to decide how far in advance has this thing been planned. Yeah, is this something that they're running multiple people through also, multiple teams? How far does the Bureau go to set up this kind of stuff? Are they putting memory implants in? How far do you have to go in order to, to set up a scenario with a lot of people? And that's what we're talking about here. There's a lot of people for them to talk to. They could be talking to the principal. They could be talking to teachers. They could be talking to other students. It's very easy if, they're, if the team does a good job of going doing background checks on a lot of the different people on the team to start finding some things that don't ring true. Yeah. I was wondering, because... Uh, if it's a football team, yes, it's physical aggression, but also part of it is ability to, uh, well, deal with the emergent situation of the other team. I mean, basically, having a play that let that works and gets you around the other team's uh, players. Yeah, so I got I would imagine some of the some of the, uh, some of the uh, bureau teams would start going, you know, especially if, if there's a football fan. Wait a second. So they they started winning games more. Okay, that's just more than brute strength. It means they're better. They they've gotten better at planning and enacting their games, their plays. So they're gonna start looking at you know look at the quarterback. You know, has right. he? But see, that's also going to be explained by that kind of pack behavior. They're starting to work better together because they have this supernatural connection to each other. Now they can. They can almost read each other's minds kind of concept. But you're right. That's what's actually going on. Someone's giving them better plays. But from an outsider standpoint, you could easily say, well, they're doing it because they've got a mind link going on now. Yeah. And, and you could have the plants picking up on that. They're like, all of a sudden they stop. And they look at each other and it says, we got to go. And all of a sudden they're going off to do something. You're like, what just happened here? That's true. Like they received a message that they shouldn't have known. Or they suddenly start sniffing the air and going, oh, yeah, and they go off. You know? you know, you have to have the obligatory whatever character or whatever plant you have that you want uh, you want them to uh, get drawn into. You know, you have them uh, approach one of the party members and, and, you know, tell them, 
you know, it would probably be best if you just didn't sniff around where you weren't belong. You know, you got to play that kind of stuff up too. You know, you got you, you want to bait them into things. Oh yeah, you got to use all the tells, the verbal tells, and the physical tells, and things like that to to lead these agents to the conclusion you want them to receive. At the same time, you don't want to be in the situation of the legendary player where they have no chance of figuring it out, unless, of course, the intent is not for them to figure it out. The intent is to see whether or not they do things like succumb to the temptation of violence, of peer pressure, of or cowardice. I mean, they start beating up on this guy who's running the liquor store or whatever like that. Are you going to stop them? Are, are you going to stand back and say, no, I can't blow my cover? I've got to just 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 say, hey, no, let's not do that. I mean, what are you going to do? How are, how are you going to deal with this situation? Are, are you going to be the alpha male and say, no, you know, you must not do this. This is not my way. There's so many ways this could, thing could go. The idea is to push their buttons as much as possible and to see how far they're willing to go because this allows the characters, the players, to define their eight, their characters better. Part of the, of the idea of a training mission, in my mind, is to allow the players to reveal information about their characters that wouldn't necessarily come up in other scenarios. The one thing I like about the scenarios that I've heard is that most of them are fairly simple, and I think that's important for a training scenario because I think it should be over quickly because if it is, because at the end when you find out it's just a training scenario, there's going to be a a letdown. There's going to be a kind of a, oh man, when they get to the end of the training scenario and they get this letdown when they find out that it really isn't what they thought it was, you need to give them something to perk them up. Any ideas about how to, you know, give them something that they wouldn't normally get? Hmm. If they do a good job, that depends on, on how well they do. Or does or are you talking a reward for good play, or just reward for being good sports? What I'm saying is, is that the players are going to have a letdown because they they got their minds all psyched out to taking out the supernatural bad guy, and unless you're going to pull a you know a thing where you you kills you kill something and you think you kill, and they never knew that it was a fake. In which case, as far as they're concerned, it's all real. They're going to run into the situation where they're going to go, oh, man, it, it was all fake. I got experience, but, yeah, I, I really wanted the payoff. So is there any uh, any ideas of payoffs that you could give these people to make them feel better about the ending? Well, I would say that if if it is a brand-new group, um, prior to running this mission, you, you'd, want, you'd need to set this up. But prior to running this mission, you had them – uh, pretty much do a couple missions where they're running errands, they're doing pickup or cleanup, um, to where the players have done, you know, they've run into some interesting stuff, but they're not being taken seriously. They're not really actually being sent on any real missions. And once they go through this, then they're allowed to go on a real mission afterwards. And that would be like, that'd be one way to reward them. Okay. Yeah. And game rewards would be like, say, if it was in the Savage Worlds, I'm going to say they did well. You're going to start next game with two extra bennies, so which is a big thing in Savage Worlds. Yeah, you know, two extra bennies, and they go, "Wow, yeah." Okay, that's a meta game reward, but it makes sense in Savage Worlds. Okay, that's rewarding the players for being good sports, right? right. Yeah, and that's just as important. And of course, they st- they still get experience. I mean, oh yeah, no matter what you do, you're getting experience. 
my idea was that you end the mission with a cliffhanger where you say, yes, you finished that thing and this and this is your next mission and you wow them with the next mission. It's an important, tough, scary mission. And then you say, but we won't, you know, we'll get back to that next week. And so they're left with a feeling of anticipation and their minds are going on to the next mission. And they're not dwelling about the fact that they ended with basically a, a downer kind of thing where a, a, a disappointment. Their, their mind's now on the, the new exciting thing that they're going to do next. Right. We just got a report of fishmen down in Atlantic City, so you guys got to hit, hit the boardwalk. <laughs> or it would be interesting as, like, for example, for the uh, the the frogman or, or you know sea creature, <laughs> the one that I did on the town, in the course of their mission, they're doing all this stuff, and let's say one of the players finds some kind of goofy artifact or he finds something that he can't explain, like some kind of weird coin with an inscription on it or something. You kind of make a point to gloss it over because you, you make sure he finds it. But you also make sure that no one really talks about it or takes notice of it or, or cares about it. Maybe the other party members might, but none of the bureau guys do. And right at the end of the adventure, something happens which um, you know, triggers that item that he found to start glowing or, some, or, or that's when the bureau agent notices and says, where did you find that? And it turns out that the lake really does have sea monsters in it and you know um, – Maybe that's when they come out of the, you know, they start coming out of the water or something like that. That's the ending of so many X Files. Or, or even do something a little different. Is they finish the mission, they're getting in the van, and uh, a meteor strikes the side of the, you know, side of the mountain of where they are, um, and a strange glow is coming from the side of the mountain, and it has nothing to do with anything that these guys were doing. Um, so it's not like you know, trick goofy ending. It's just kind of like, well, you have to investigate it because you're here. Well, it's a little XDS mocking up, but as long as you don't do it too often, that's fine. Right. All stories are true. Yeah, some are less some are less plausible than others. The god does come out of the machine. <laughs> All right. Anything else, guys? Uh, I, I like the idea of st- actually ending on a cliffhanger. That way, you can actually have them. Prepped and ready to go for the next mission. Right. Of course, it'll be always in the back of their mind. Okay, is this going to be another real mission or is this going to be another fake? That's always a good thing to have in your mind. You should always have a certain amount of skepticism. Right, Blix? That is correct. That's right. I I like that word. (laughs) (laughs) Rex, we're being attacked. Don't you worry, Dolores. Old Rex will dodge those sky pirates. El Tarib, I knew I smelled something foul when I passed by Catawonga. So, Rex, what are we going to do? Well, my dear, you're going to man that 50 cal on the roof to it. Me? I'm going to do some fancy flying. Man up, Tarib! Rick's Havoc is coming through! Explore the world of the hard-wired hinterland. Visit the lands of New Akron, almost Canada, and new old New York. Deal with Sky Pirates and the natives of Etawanga. It's your new home and your new life. Make of it what you will. The Hardwired Hinterland is a systemist role-playing campaign supplement from Tritech Games. 
you can use this supplement with any role-playing game rules that you like. Available as a PDF from TriTechGames.com. That's TriTechGames.com. Come to the hardware hinterlands and let your imagination soar! Yeah, well, but first you turns my stomach. Hasty lumbagos, Tareeb. Rex, shut up and keep flying. Don't worry, Dolores. I'll keep them flying. Over the hardwired hinterland. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to our podcast once again. And we hope this has been useful to you in doing various training missions for whatever game that you're playing. Because whether you're playing you know, a game where you have Knights of the uh, Round Table or SEALs, uh, as in like na- um, Navy SEALs, and or space uh, captains and freighters, there's always going to be the possibility that you're on a decoy mission, you're being examined by somebody who might want to give you a job. There's always reasons to have training missions. So we hope that you've taken some thoughts from this, and if you've got some good training missions of your own, we hope you'll post them on our Facebook pages uh, or on our Yahoo groups or on TriTechGamers.com. And we're looking forward to seeing that, and we'll have more for you soon. But until then... This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Amber. It's all fun and games until the DM rolls a one. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.